Do you have a creative business but are struggling to get enough customers or clients to actually make enough money to enjoy your business? Come join me for a free live planning workshop where I will share the roadmap to get more leads and more profits in your business without running yourself to the ground. If you started this year with good intentions but are not getting the results you want and need, you really don't want to miss this free workshop. Now, there won't be a replay, so you must show up live to join the training. Register now at nataliewalton.com forward slash roadmap. That's nataliewalton.com forward slash roadmap. My one piece of advice for my mentor that I cherish so much that I always tell people that ask me about starting my own business, he told me, you never know how big that client will be. So always take the call, always see what they're like, talk to them. If they're asking you to do one room, it could turn into many rooms. But if I have that instinct uh, that we will work really beautifully together and it's a smaller project, I always kind of take that leap of faith. And that's happened many times. Welcome to Imprint a podcast about creating a home and life you love. I'm Natalie Walton, an interior designer, stylist, and best-selling author focused on an holistic approach to homes. Each week, I'm sharing insights and interviews about the creative process to help you enhance both your interiors and well-being, as well as provide you with the tools and resources to make considered and sustainable choices with all that you create. Hello everyone, welcome to Imprint. I am very much looking forward to sharing my interview with Caitlin Fleming with you today. I came across Caitlin when she joined my course, the Styling Masterclass, and was instantly uh, you know, transfixed by her work and the spaces that she creates. She is a interior designer based in the San Francisco region of the USA and she creates beautiful work. Um, She has also since gone on to create two incredible books. One is called Travel Home, which is a um, a really beautiful book, which I'm sure many of you are familiar with. And she is just got her second book called Sense of Place, which is about the hit shops when this episode goes live. And um, she's created both of them with her mother, which is an incredible story in of itself. And she goes into more about how that came to be. She is a very um, earthy kind of heartfelt soul. And um, I really enjoyed getting to know more about her, her work. She really goes into detail about her design process, how she's built up her design business. She has got a small but mighty team and um, doing really incredible things. So I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Caitlin as much as I did. Please enjoy. Hi, Caitlin. I am so excited to have this conversation with you. I feel like this has been a long time coming and for whatever reason, it hasn't happened yet, but I'm very excited that it is finally happening now. Um, Okay. I want to start right at the beginning. I feel like I've got a million questions for you. (laughs) I'm so curious about everything to do with you, 
But let's just start at the very beginning, because I think it's really interesting to kind of get an insight into, you know, who, who you are, where you grew up. And I'm in particular curious about, um, and we will talk about your relationship with your mum because you've created two books with her and um, she seems to be her own creative force. And maybe you can kind of provide a little bit of an insight because lots of people usually sort of say like, I didn't have anyone created for my family. And, you know, so you're kind of a slightly different story. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. Well, first off, I'm so happy that we finally are able to sit down together because I I do feel like it has been a long time coming on both ends. We've both tried to chat. Um, and I remember taking your styling course many moons ago, which was so much fun and just got my creative spark going again. But um, to to start the journey, I grew up um, my I mean, my mom, as most people have gathered, is my one of my best friends um, and she is very creative. I grew up going to flea markets with her and she always talks about how I would always find things at my eye level when I was, you know, six to nine years old and she would find everything on the tabletops. <laughs> so I was training my eye and she didn't know she was training my eye at a very young age. And she was a teacher with a passion for interiors and also uh, on the side, it was an antique dealer. So I would help her on the weekends at her booth pricing things. And I just have memories of her traveling to France and bringing back all these linens and her carefully washing them. So it was definitely ingrained in my childhood. Um, And I think that's where my passion began. It began at a very young age. And then she was the type of mom that, you know, I had this beautiful bedroom that she um, decorated with French antiques. Um, But she was the kind of mom that when I got to the age that I wanted to experiment with my own room, she 100% let me ditch the French antiques. And I remember I painted my walls blue, my wrought iron bed, lime green, and I started to put make saris out of or curtains out of saris. So it was one of those completely 180, no white, I wanted no white in my room. Um, but she let me experiment. And I think that was really an amazing thing. Because that just it, I always say that was a part of uh, my childhood where she let me experiment. And then I came back to the other side, of the neutral, the neutral side of things. Um, and then um, it, it, you know, we always were hunting for antiques together. We traveled a lot for my um, father's work. And she and I were just always together in different uh, countries and cities. And that was one thing that we both loved to do. Um, and so did then, you grow up in, sorry, can I just interrupt? So did you grow yes. up in um, San Francisco and were you an only child? I'm just curious about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll go way back. So I was born in Washington, DC. And then my family, when I was uh, four, moved to Mexico City where um, my dad grew up, was born and raised. My dad um, worked for World Wildlife Fund. 
Um, he was the president of World Wildlife Fund for Mexico and Central America. And so we moved to Mexico City until I was nine years old. And we traveled a lot. My parents instilled the passion for travel that I have um, from a very young age. And they always took me out of school because they figured traveling was more educational than being in school. Um, so we traveled quite a bit and my dad would go to conferences uh, all over the world and my mom and I would join him. Um, and that then makes when I was so much, sorry, I was just going to say that, yeah. that makes so much sense. Then I, I'm already seeing so many threads yeah. like the travel home book. I get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Uh, yes. So then at nine, we, uh, we left Mexico city. I actually got lead poisoning, um, from drinking water. Um, and you know, as a kid, you don't listen. And, you know, it just had gotten a little bit dangerous. Um, and so our family moved to Portland, Oregon, which was the complete opposite of Mexico City. And it wasn't the city it is today. Um, and so I, uh, you know, it was one of, it was a complete and utter culture shock um, for a kid at nine years old. And, um, I grew up there until I left for college and I came to college here in San Francisco. I had an right. aunt that grew up, uh, or sorry, when I was growing up, my aunt lived in San Francisco. So I always had this vision of moving there. I always loved coming to visit her. Um, and when I came for college, I never left. I fell in love with this city. So yeah. And so what, um, did, what did you study at college? Like when you were in those, because um, I think this is a really pivotal uh, point in people's lives, you know, when you're sort of, you're in high school and you're thinking about like, what am I going to do once I finish school? What, what you know, am I going to go to college? If so, what am I going to study? What are the things that I'm curious about to, to start exploring for this next chapter of my life? What was it for you? So I immediately went to college for and studied business. So I studied marketing and international business, actually. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew if I had a business degree, I could go into different, a lot of different careers. And I figured if I had that behind me, it would be more of an asset. Um, and I just knew I wanted to come, I wanted to go to a bigger city. Um, and I actually fell in love with, I did a, entrepreneurship was a new thing when I was in college and I took a few entrepreneurship classes, but they didn't really know, you know, what that would entail. All the classes kind of were like, oh, but you could start a business, you know, all these different things. And I kind of loved that. I was like, oh, this is so cool. What could you do? Um, and while I was in college, this is one of the things that I am mo most grateful for is I actually worked for, I was fortunate enough to work for Erica Tanoff. Um, she's a fashion designer here in Berkeley. And I was the, probably the youngest person they'd ever hired. Um, I just fell in love with her store. She traveled all over to India. Her 
her craftsmanship is stunning. And I was surrounded by all of these, this incredible group of creative women who were quite older, you know, at least 10 years older than me. And I was a shop girl on the weekends. And I just remember them all having these side businesses, having uh, fabric lines and um, one was a fashion designer. One loves creating a home for her family, but the way that she talked about it was so beautiful. And I just remember, I mean, they basically were like my older sisters bringing me up as I was trying to find my path. And I just, I, I always tell them when I see them around the city, like you guys opened up a whole new world of being a creative woman and following your dreams. So that's kind of, um, where they opened my eyes to be going into a creative field. Um, and that's when I graduated. I actually graduated during the 2008 recession from college. Um, and I went into, I found a job right away. I was lucky enough to keep the job through the recession. Um, and I started Sacramento street, my blog in 2009, um, during the recession. Um, and I was introduced to a whole new group of, of creatives. Um, and that actually introduced me to one of my interior design mentors who persuaded me to take the leap into interior design. Um, he saw my tiny little studio and thought I was, you know, a great designer. <laughs> um, and he persuaded me to, start working for a, a, a designer. And I did, and I did social media and I worked on a few projects under, you know, some senior designers. And then a few years later, I took the leap into my own business. So. Wow. Interesting. I, yeah, I, I thought that it was through your mom that you kind of got into it, but um, so it's really interesting to hear that it was actually quite a different journey. So what Path. was that first job? <laughs> I'm just curious um, that first job that you said you took when there was the recession, was that related to business or was it in that fashion area? And and were you curious to do fashion because you had had that exposure or were you pulled more to interiors? So, no, I worked um, for a company that was actually a platform for writing, which is makes sense now. Um, I was like, I worked in marketing and I worked in like the community management. Um, and we worked, we started to work with a bunch of bloggers, um, to create campaigns for them and that sort of thing. We were this platform for them to publish their work if they didn't want to have their own blog. And we worked on marketing out their articles, that sort of thing. And then we actually ended up when I left, we ended up getting bought by Meredith Corporation. Um, so that's when I left and started working for um, an interior designer here in San Francisco. I can already see, again, just so many threads, thread. like the writing, you know, like, because I was even thinking as I was flicking through your book um, before we started and I thought, wow, like there's not many interior designers that, because, you know, that's how I know you is as an interior designer that have, um, you know, that 
feel confident to write a book you know lots of them get it ghostwritten or or whatever mm-hmm. and you know there's all these different things and so the fact that you kind of do you know you write and also um and then I remember when I got your first book and how beautifully like you had this kind of it came in this box with all these beautiful um there was like I think a pencil and like this um oh my little, gosh all the um, things yeah, like I, I can't remember what it, you know, like not incense. I can't think of the right word. It was like a roller thing to. Oh, like the roller. A, a they little... don't make that anymore. That's the, the I true know, botanicals. And it was so good. Yes, it, it was, was so, so good. <laughs> yeah, it was. I know. Like I wish you could roll onto your palms to sleep. And I used to do it for my daughters because they would say, "I can't sleep, mummy." And so I used to like every night just roll it onto them to help them sleep. And I think it was just okay. that um, psychological sort of like, "Okay, now it's time to sleep." You know, it was just like that. Oh, it's trigger all in a mental. positive way. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. You know, like placebo kind of thing. Um, yes. Okay, I'm gonna be like. <laughs> calls. you need to listen to this podcast and bring back <laughs> the roller. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's sort of like now, you know, the fact that you sort of had worked in marketing that, you know, that you were doing writing that, um, yeah, so many different threads are kind of, I'm going like ping, ping. I, I, I get it now. Uh, I'm really, really seeing that the, the threads kind of coming together. So yes. I, I want to ask will... you though. Oh. oh, sorry. Go. No, no, go ahead. Well, I wanted to ask you, so taking that leap then to starting your own interior design practice, that's that's a big decision for a lot of people. I know there's a lot of people who love interiors and they're curious about it, but they think, well, how am I going to actually make this work? What was that for you? Did you have some clients that you sort of thought you could go out and get or, you know, were you working with friends initially or, you know, people within your contact base? Like, how did you make that leap to kind of start your own practice and, and get kickstarted in a way, you know, to actually start yeah. that momentum? So I think um, because I had um, Sacramento as a platform, um, that helped a lot to bring in people seeing my aesthetic and uh the way that I designed my own home what I was doing with my own studio and I was starting to get inquiries so I actually didn't leave the designer that I was working for until I had enough work lined up to take the leap I was also I to be and I'm completely honest with everybody about this stuff I was also I also had marketing um, income coming in from the blog. So I, ha- I I knew that if I took the leap, I at least had this as a base of income that I would be getting. Um, so I could, you know, play around with, you know, if I didn't get enough clients, I still had that income coming in. I still think that way, even though the design business is, much bigger and it sort of runs itself and we have clients, you know, in the pipeline and everything. Um, but I always in the back of my mind think, okay, you know, we also have this avenue if something happens, (laughs) but I think I've always been that way. And I think most creatives have a few different things happening at the same time. That's why there's also a book, you know, books that happen. Um, but I did have a few larger clients that took, um, had faith in my, in my work and I've worked now done 
you know, that first client that I had that was really big, I've now done their home twice. Um, so, and I've, my one piece of advice for my mentor that I cherish so much and that I always tell, um, that I always tell people that ask me about starting my own business, he told me, you never know how big that client will be. So always take the call, always see what they're like, talk to them. If they're asking you to do one room, it could turn into many rooms. And so whenever someone reaches out, and now I get a lot of inquiries and they say, I know my project is very small, but I'd love to chat with you. And once I have a, I usually have several phone calls with people before we, you know, get on board. But if I have that instinct uh, that we will work really beautifully together and it's a smaller project, I always kind of take that leap of faith. And that's happened many times. I've done, you know, four homes for some clients that have come to me with one room. (laughs) So that piece of advice from him was priceless. That's yeah, that's really valuable because I mean, I kind of get that as well is that people coming to me that, you know, I, I just got this one little thing. And and for me, I sort of struggle because I think, well, you know, like (laughs) I've got a family to feed and, you know, like, is it worth me taking that kind of work on? So yeah, it's really interesting to hear you say that. I want to ask you a few things about your interior design work. First of all, Mm -hmm. one of the things that, um, I hear a lot and people, sometimes I feel like it can be a little bit of an excuse. It's a fear. It's a, you know, like people worry, you know, about not doing a good job, um, is this idea of like that you have to have studied to be able to do interior design, which in general, I, I, I don't think you have to, I think that there are elements of it that you can outsource. I think, um, you know, there are people who are very good technically with, you know, drafting and, and those side of things. And I think there's many different ways that you can approach interior design. There's some incredibly successful interior designers out there who haven't studied, you know, and so I'm just curious about you and, you know, it doesn't seem that you did specifically study, but you more learn on the job. And what, what's your take on that? Like in terms of like your school level and do you get other people in to support you for the more technical aspects or can you shine a little bit of a light on like your process in that sense? Definitely. Um, I am constantly training my eye to, so I didn't go to school first of all for interiors, but I do believe that there is an innate um sense of just knowing that things will work and i always i tell people the way to to, to learn is to train just training your eye i mean i have i go through so many books and i read so many magazines and i always kind of have and i learn from different people and i I'm constantly looking at buildings and taking pictures of tiny little details. And I think if you just are very detail oriented and can have a vision for what a room, like I can walk into a room and know where I need to move furniture right away to make the floor plan better. 
Um, so I do feel like you have that innate. Some people don't. Some people, even some interior designers kind of have a hard time figuring it out. But um, if you have a good vision of space and half of my visions come to me in my sleep, honestly, I wake up and I'm like, oh, I finally figured out what kind of baseboard we should do in this project. And <laughs> email my girls and they're like, did that come in your sleep? I'm like, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> um, and yes, I do have a team. A tech, uh, I have um, a wonderful gal that does all of our CAD work. Um, I, I have a very, people think that I have this huge team of people. There's only, uh, so I have two, three girls on the design side, and then we just hired someone for more social uh, PR help because I can't keep up anymore <laughs> with all that. Um, so there's really only, there's five of us um, in total um, and no one works full time. They're all moms. They need to be with their kids. So we have kind of a flexible schedule um, and I love it. And they've all been with me for years. So I cherish that so much. And so on that, I mean, obviously, if you're if you're paying staff um, and, you know, you've got a, a team, um, you know, you need to be charging enough for your services and getting the kind of jobs that are going to facilitate that. Because, you know, if you're sort of like paying somebody's salary and hopefully paying yourself some kind of income, mm -hmm. then um, <laughs> which sometimes can be challenging as a creative Um you know, or reinvesting in the business and, you know, and all of those other elements of it. How have you learned how to charge for your services? Because again, I think this is something that people really struggle with, um, really struggle with knowing, you know, what model of charging to go with, you know, what's your approach to it. Um, and then, you know, sort of being able to then recognize, well, this is the type of job or type of work I'm going to take on because, you know, I need to do these types of job because these ones aren't going to pay the bills, you know, in effect. Mm -hmm. So can you just, you know, share a little bit of your thought or process or approach around how to charge for your services? And yeah. What works well for you? Yeah, of course. I mean, I don't think, I don't think there's one way to go about it. And I've tried countless different uh, types of charging and all that and then I'm like oh we lost money on this project and that sort of thing but it's it's give and take and I think um you just really have to feel it out and it's taken years and years and I still sometimes question myself about how I charge and I talk to different interior designers and I have this group in San Francisco and we are constantly texting each other about different things but we for the most part um we charge hourly I charge hourly um and I have figured out because I've done enough projects how much per square foot I now bill if that makes sense so like if I know the square footage of a home that we are building I basically know how much of, I can estimate how much billable time we will take to build that project. And then I know how much time it will take 
to do the furniture of that project as long as they're willing to do you know not 5000 iterations of that furniture plan <laughs> that we do um so those are with clients that are you know very on board with our aesthetic and what we want to do and um my hourly rate i would say we just i've figured it out over the years i I've even had friends tell me I need to like raise my prices already. <laughs> so, and I'm like, Oh really? I don't know if I should, but you know, you have to, I'm like, am I, do I, should I be charging that much? And they're like, yes, just change it in your contract now. <laughs> so, you know, you always question yourself too, as a creative, if you're worth that much money an hour. Um, but it's, it's really hard. And before I would constantly question myself when I was estimating projects, but now that we've had a few, you know, we do ground up projects now and we do, um, we gut houses, we do just furniture, um, projects. So now I've been able to figure out, um, how we, how how I can charge, but it took many years to figure it out. And there's no one way. There's no one way. Um, I've even asked other designers how they charge them. I go, oh no, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> so I constantly question myself if I'm doing it the right way. And then I go and try it a different way. And I'm like, nope, back to my old way. So we each built, we uh, I work in Ivy, which is now owned by house. And um, we just log all of our hours into Ivy. We write down what, what it was for, for each client. And then at the end of the month, we bill each client. Yeah. And I I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, you know, definitely. And I think that that's what I keep hearing from so many different people is that, you know, and I've tried different things, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it really, yeah, it's challenging. I think that particularly when you're a creative person, like you just want to do a good job and you want to create your best work and you want to please your clients. And, but at the end of the day, like you can't, you know, if you work for nothing or close to nothing, by the time you've logged all your hours, you're kind of doing it. It's a very expensive hobby. So, <laughs> you know, it's sort of, um, it's, yeah, it's kind of getting the right balance between those things. And I think if you can start to estimate, you know, start to think about it by room, you know, that's sort of how I always start. I go, okay, we're doing these rooms. How many hours will it take me to pick out the finishes, do the elevations, you know, the conceptual phase? And then how long will it take me to do all the furniture for that? And then if you estimate by room, if you break it down that way, sometimes, you know, it gets clients out of that like big number at the bottom that can sometimes freak them out. But if they see it room by room, it makes a lot more sense when you start to break things down. But ultimately, they're just looking at that end number. So, <laughs> um, but, you know, it's great. And I think if if you find if you have a seamless process and are just estimating i always try to like i always estimate a little bit over because i know something could go wrong cuz it always does in construction and 
design, there's always a delay. Um, it's great when you come under those hours for your client um, and you always want them to come back. They're always going to move. They're always going to need, you know, something new in their home. So you want them it to be a, a really nice process so that they come back to you. I'm curious, what, like, who are your clients in terms of are these professional people who perhaps work in finance or other areas that they don't have that confidence to tackle on a home? Are they in kind of very different industries? Or I'm just kind of curious to see, you know, get an insight into like, who are the people that are taking you on board as, as you know, as that kind of creative for them? Most of my clients are in the tech industry. So they're building companies. Yeah. That's why a lot of my projects. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I will say that is why my portfolio is not as large on my website um, is because I'm not able to photograph their homes. Um, So there was a period of time where a lot of my clients wouldn't let me even take a iPhone shot of their home. And it, it it's so hard for a creative because I'm like, oh, this is my canvas and this is my artwork and I don't get to take a picture of it. Um, but, you know, instead they were referring me to the next client. And I went through this whole group of friends, friends of friends, friend, you know, and then they just kept passing me along. And that in itself is priceless. So I couldn't couldn't complain about that, um, but they're I think, all wonderful. Yeah. I think, but um, they don't have time. Referrals, they're traveling. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I think obviously um, in the interior design industry, you know, referrals are kind of one of your best marketing tools. I mean, they're kind of like the lifeblood of your business. What do you think is essential to having a happy client? How, you know, because people have expectations about what they're getting for the service. They might not understand the process. You know, do you have to kind of walk them through what the process is, how much you're going to be involved, boundaries, you know, all of those things that kind of make up a relationship with a person in terms of their expectations and, and the kind of the, the end point of the project? I always joke that I'm ha- I probably should have gone into, I should have gone to college as a, for a psychology <laughs> because half of the time when you're an interior designer, you're also a psychologist with how they're thinking and how and even the husband and wife, um, like how they act together and how, what they want in their home. And is it the same or is it different? <laughs> and all of those aspects. I mean, you're basically going in and creating this lifestyle for them and how they live. And you're picking out where they want their spice drawer, where they want their underwear drawer, where they want their, (laughs) all of the things. Um, So we're based, we're creating this entire home and figuring out all these tiny aspects of their life. Um, So I always say probably should have gone into psychology too. because half the time we're, and then you've got the contractors, but um, yeah, we go through and we talk about every phase of the project. And then we also send out a client questionnaire 
and both the husband and wife have to figure uh fill it out because we want to know i had a this is a tidbit i had one client very early on and she filled out the client questionnaire and he didn't even look at it designed the entire house and he came to the meeting the design meeting and he sat down went through the presentation and he we ended and he said oh i don't like white walls and i was like what what (laughs) what do you mean you don't like white walls he's like yeah i don't like white walls we need color on every wall and i just took a step back and I didn't say anything. And I said, okay, that's great to know. Um, But your wife filled out the questionnaire and it said white wall. (laughs) So from then on, I make both parties, they can do it separately, but I have to have both of them fill it out because it can vary in what one wants the other one might not want. And I need to know that prior to designing an entire house. So lesson learned. That was one of my biggest lessons. Um, Love it. So, yeah. What about color? Because, you know, you have a really beautiful aesthetic. Um, You know, your home is predominantly white. Um, And do you get people coming to you who come to you for your aesthetic or do you, because you're getting referrals and you mentioned like with this client, he wanted color. Do you get people who want something very different to what is kind of your instinctive way to decorate or design? And, and how do you, um, how do you work with that? How do you work when people have got a different aesthetic to, to what's yours? Yeah. I mean, very early on, I was taking on different types of aesthetics than my own, just because I was trying to grow the business. Um, now I am more selective and I, I, I do, um, more my aesthetic. So it's more of the clean lines. I've been branching into, um, just because of my love for, uh, the UK and all of the pattern mixing and everything. Um, I've been branching into clients of, of that nature. Um, and it's been really fun. And I have a few projects that we just photographed, um, that I cannot wait to share, um, that are more pattern on pattern. And I have this one house where they wanted that it was all Browns and topes and everything. And then she, she threw at me, what if, can we add some red throughout the house? And I go, Oh, <laughs> you know, I like took a step back and I was like, you know, it actually would look really beautiful. And I embraced it. And this home turned out so gorgeous. It's stunning. Um, it's like a meet Miss Marple meets California, uh, aesthetic. And I am in love with it. I can't wait to show everybody. So mostly it's my, uh, people come to me for my aesthetic. Um, and it's really fun. And then I kind of test, I kind of push a little bit in different areas that I'm exploring with each one of them. Um, but for the most part, I do what I love. 
And can you shine a little bit of a light on your your process? So you you know somebody makes an inquiry. You said that you know you'll have a few conversations with them. And so when they have then make made that commitment to to work with you. I realize every project is different, but, you know, in general, what is your process, your design process, how you go about, like, what's your, often your starting point with creating homes? And um, and then maybe you can share a little bit about your kind of, then your weekly process or, you know, like how you structure your days to kind of make all that happen, particularly given that you are a mum as well and all of those things. Yeah. Well, I'll, I mean, I start with the second question. <laughs> which is how I structure my my weeks and days. I feel like one of the reasons I love this job is that every single week is completely different. I mean, some week, some days I'm at my computer and I'm going over for like construction drawings, construction sets. Like this morning I was on a lighting call with a lighting specialist for a home that we're building. Um, and then some weeks I'm in the field and I'm meeting clients and I'm at site visits and I'm at the design center pulling fabric. So that's, that's one reason why I love this job. There's no structure to it. And I've tried to make, you know, this is the day that Mondays are the days that I'm in the office. <laughs> and then there's like five meetings on a Monday and I'm out of the office all day. So now I'm just like, nope, there's no there's no rhyme or reason. Um, and then my process is we, we onboard the client. Um, we make them fill out this questionnaire. We have them do a deep dive of any images that they have um, saved for their future home. And it could be a tiny thing. Like, I love the sink. I love... The way that they did this detail on a wall, I mean, no, no clients that specific actually, but some are, and some have Pinterest boards that they've already, they already have going. We create Pinterest boards for each project and start pulling images on there that myself and my team can just pull a bunch of um, beautiful imagery too. And then we usually have clients sending us also images from Instagram that they've seen. Um, and then from there, we deep dive on those images and pull out any similarities that we see throughout like a single thread. Um, and then from there, we start doing the, we work with the architectural drawings and we start doing elevations and start pulling the hard finishes for construction, tile, hardwood floors, any wood detailing, doors, the whole gambit. <laughs> um, and then we go into the soft goods, which is like the furniture. Um, so that's kind of our process. We do the hard finishes first to create the shell of the home. And then we add in what's going to be, you know, what you're going to be sitting on throughout your home and then from there it's all the lovely yes. construction details that yeah. take years in the making 
Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and how do you find kind of working? Do you deal much with um, like contractors and trades yourself um, as part of that whole process? And and how do you find, I mean, I'm curious because in Australia, um, you know, the <laughs> there's, a, there's a certain um, archetype of trade, like, you know, the personality types and, and all of this sort of thing, you know, oh. in terms of what you're dealing on site. I think where I live is they're quite relaxed and, and there's actually some really lovely guys. It's basically all, I've never come across a woman on site, but in Sydney, you know, it can be very masculine and it can be quite rude sometimes, um, people that you're dealing with, particularly because I think in cities, you know, it's all about price. So people are hiring people because of like, they're, you know, economical to deal with rather than necessarily like, you know, they're that kind of bespoke builder that's, um, you know, really courteous and, and all of those things. Mm-hmm. How, how do you manage all of that? Do you have any of that? So, you know, it'd be nice if every construction job we did was with the same team, but it's not. <laughs> um, and my team is always really excited when we're working with certain contractors a second time, but it takes it takes a while. I mean, you know, you ask, you're going to be asking one of my, what, what, what words describe me in a little bit. And I think one thing that my team always says when there's a fire, for instance, on a project is you are so patient and calm and you don't show a lick of uh, being mad at what's happening. You know, I am like, okay, I'm always trying to problem solve the, uh, what's happening on a job site. Um, but it's not easy. I mean, I mean, you have to have a certain personality that can deal with many different types of people. And each construction job has a different set, uh, a different group. Like there's an architect, there's a contractor, And then there's us. And then sometimes there's a project manager because the client can't be there. Um, And sometimes actually we have become the pro there. Someone on my team has become the project manager um, because the client can't be there. Um, And we've started to add those services. Um, And, and then that dynamic you have to nurture and make sure everybody's on the same page and, that you're getting the edits for everything. And we all need to know the schedule and some contractors don't like a schedule, but we like schedule. (laughs) So it's just all of the different avenues that could happen, happen on these projects. And it's, you know, it's not easy, but you just have to, you have to be super flexible and know that I always tell myself, I'm like, okay, it's, never going to go to schedule like nothing's going to go according to schedule so we just have to kind of be flexible as I tell my kids you have to have flexible thinking so that's what I always tell myself too now swear I'm going to write a children's book about flexible thinking but it's actually for myself (laughs) love that I, I can think of one of my children in particular that could really do with that because everything's about being fair and everything's going to be a particular way, oh. and, which I think she gets that from I me know. sometimes. <laughs> and I'm like, anyway, another story for another isn't day. It, but um, Isn't it funny when you see curious. the threads of yourself and your children? 
Oh, it's yeah, it's uh, very eye-opening sometimes. Um, I know. Now, as you say, I mean, there are so many different elements to working in interior design, from the creative side to you know knowing how to run schedules to people management to psychology to you know all of these different things. I mean, then there's the like the styling at the end, and and obviously, as you mentioned, you know, you invested in you know, uh, doing my course, the styling masterclass. And I'm just curious what, like, have you invested in other, um, you know, you say you love reading books and, and magazines and you kind of train your eye and learn in that way, but have you kind of taken on like a business coach or any other thing to sort of help you with your business? Or is it really just learning on the fly and just learning as you go along? Yeah, it's just learning as I go, <laughs> learning as I go along. I have thought recently about potentially bringing someone on to see what what could be next. Um, it's funny people ask me, "Do I want to grow? Do I want to grow the business? Do I want to get bigger? You know, what do I? How do I want to scale?" And then I think of my lovely my lovely team, and I go, "No, we're good." <laughs> I'm good where we are um, because I love, you know, we all work so well together. I, we now have like this whole system in place. I have a girl that does all of our procurement and ordering. I have another girl that does, she does all of our construction jobs and is on schedules for that. And then I have the cat, my girl that does all the CAD work. And then, um, as I said, I brought on a social media uh, person recently and she is helping me with that. So it's funny. No, I haven't brought on somebody, but I, it's on, it's in the back of my mind and I have thought about it, but then with book number two launching, there's no time. <laughs> Completely. Understand. Um, well, that, that, yeah, that brings us nicely into, cause that, that was the next thing I wanted to ask you is then how have you managed to find the time in amongst all of this to create not just one but two books and and books where you know and I know like I was looking through your latest one and like there's a lot of travel involved and even just the travel component there's a lot to organize in terms of I mean I, I don't know if you've done it all yourself I I've had to do that all myself for mine it's like mm -hmm. finding where you're going to stay and booking the flights and how to get from the airport to the location and the like creating the schedules and everyone's like, you know, all the different people, like you've got a lot of homes that you've shot. How have you, and then that is not even to mention the writing and the proofing and that all of the things that go into creating a book. Um, Cause I, I think the first time you don't realize and then like the next time, you know what you're in for. So how, but how do have you, you manage to Because now I'm reliving things? it again and I'm like, it's like planning a second, a third wedding. I mean, just, um it's so funny uh so with with travel home um you know we were my I so I co-wrote it with my mom who is an amazing uh writer and interviewer she is she I mean she's a true historian I feel like she teaches history um she's so great at researching all of the people that were in both travel home and sense of place, which is coming out in September. Um, and without her, 
I don't, I would not have been able to do both of these books. Um, and Travel Home really came about where she and I were, it was Christmas, Christmas break. She was about to turn 60. We were, she was, you know, we were talking about her hitting this milestone. And I said, what, is there anything you want to do? You know, tell, you know, like we we're talking and she goes, I have always wanted to write a book. And I go, oh. What, what 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 would you write it about? And she goes, I don't know, but it just would have to be something that I love, you know, that I'm passionate about. And we just, that was the, you know, the starting off point to us brainstorming. And we started thinking and travel and interiors came to mind. And we go, what if, what if we did interior designers and how travel influenced them in their home? And but would would these designers even say yes to us photographing their home? You know, it snowballs into, yeah, right. We will never get into that person's home, you know? And then it snowballed and we started to reach out to designers before we even had a book deal, which was really funny because like, we're pitching this idea. We don't have a book deal, but we will. Don't worry. Um, so yeah, it, that's, that's how Travel Home came about. And then we, we, chatted with um a bunch of different designers and got them to do interviews before we pitched the book to publishers um we chatted with vicente wolf we chatted with erica tanoff i mean all of these amazing designers that i had looked up to for so many years and had studied their work so um that's when we got an agent and started pitching it out and and then signed with Abrams books. Um, and they loved our idea. They were the only publisher that didn't want to change our book idea, which I'm sure you have are familiar with. Um, and yeah, it was a jumping off point. And then we realized we had to create the book in nine months, <laughs> which seemed really quick. And we had to travel to all these beautiful places, but it's a one, I mean, at, with travel home, I thought it was a once in a lifetime experience. Now that I've gotten to do it twice with my mom is incredibly special. And this time around my daughter, my, well, my son, how old was he? I can't remember. Uh, now my kids are a little bit older. So they've, you know, seen, you know, they were older when I created sense of place. So they remember and they love looking at things and, Whenever they see travel home in shops, they're like, mom, it's your book. And then I'm like, shh, you don't need to, you don't need to announce it. <laughs> so it's fun to see their excitement. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I and mean, it's, that place. book is done. Yeah. It's done so well. And, you know, I, it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful book. I, you know, I, I, I treasure it, the copy that I have. And, um, oh. you know, like I said, just having had a quick flick through Sense of Place, that's, you know, equally beautiful. What I was curious about Sense of Place is there's a very, um, I, I would call it like a bit of an English aesthetic, like a traditional, you know, like you, you sort of mm -hmm. mentioned it a little bit earlier on with some of the interiors that end. And I'm curious about what are you drawn to? about you mentioned earlier even saying that you kind of love that English aesthetic what what are you drawn to about that kind of aesthetic where we're talking about 
the kind of the patterns and um, mm-hmm. use of textiles and, and fabrics and color, but not in a bright kind of way. Um, I'm just curious for the girl who grew up in Mexico City. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like what, what's the Who is always you? trying to find the brown color in the markets, which doesn't exist. Let me tell you, I, like my, I bought my daughter one dress that has, you know, like a taupey color and I've never been able to find it since. But um, sense of place, I think when we were researching designers that we wanted to, to feature and highlight for this book, I mean, it came out of a passion or it came out of, you know, my mother and I being home with, you know, in COVID and we were really cherishing our surroundings and our homes and the little details that make a home for each person. Um, And when we were, we've been very inspired by, um, people in in the English, you know, countryside like Penny Morrison and Carla Santos Garcia. I mean, to even get to say you've been to Penny Morrison's home is crazy. I still pinch myself that we drove all the way to Wales, which was quite an experience. Um and then staying with her for three three days to shoot the home um was one of those pinch me pinch me moments but um yeah i think all of the homes have this collected homey feeling because also i think all of these homes had been lived in for we came we were going into these homes almost you know right out of covid and even some of them we had to there were crazy travel restrictions and we didn't know if we'd be able to get from place to place as quickly as we wanted. Um, So yeah, they all have this like layered cozy feeling, but there's also some like Laura and Nora from design tales. They have a very pared down clean aesthetic, but yet their walls are beautifully, you know, plastered. And it's actually the old plaster that, was on the walls and they took off the the paint that was previously there so yeah there's this homey feeling to the whole book which I love yeah yeah it's beautiful I mean it it is a kind of in that sense like quite a post-covid book you know in terms of or post-pandemic you know that um yeah there's this beautiful coziness and there are obviously still interiors in there that are um more reminiscent of I think travel home with you know the sort of um you know, the white walls and the wood detailing and, you know, the beautiful kind of mm-hmm. pared back aesthetic as well. And so it's a beautiful mix. But I was curious, like, oh, there's quite a few of that kind of more traditional English style. And I, I yeah. when you started mentioning about growing up in Mexico City and, and all of those kind of elements, I was like, wow, I was just curious what, because for me, I actually grew up in England. So it's it's almost like, and maybe this is for you, for me, I kind of feel like a resistance to that kind of aesthetic because I was surrounded by it. You know what I mean? But whereas like maybe you're like that with the color of Mexico, it's like, well, you know, like that's why I you're drawn why so I'm much. So down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's for me, I think, you know, with the English thing is that, you know, I grew up like we I remember we had a pink velvet sofa with like gold detailing and gold tassels and things, you know, like that was the aesthetic that I grew up with. And, um, 
like green carpet, but like a kind of muted green, but still, you know, like a wallpaper on every wall. And yeah, it's like, I, I've definitely moved away from that. So it's, it's just, it's a fascinating, isn't it? I mean, that's why I always say like with people's styles, how, um, you know, I think it's so much about like your journey and your story and your experience, because, you know, we've all been on such, on such different uh, journeys. Um, what about for you? Like, how, how would you describe your style? Oh, yeah. Well, I will say, this is a funny story. Um, <laughs> when we photographed Travel Home, I think I was so excited about all of these amazing designers that we uh, were photographing. It was almost as though my home went through a midlife crisis because we would go to uh let's say Kendra Smoot's home and I'd be like I need to get rid of everything I need to add like nature in my house <laughs> and then we'd go to Nate Berkus and I'm like ooh, I love the way he styles all you know I was taking little tidbits bringing them back and unfortunately my home was the last home we photographed <laughs> and so I had to take a step back and re recalibrate my aesthetic and what I loved. Um, so it was funny because I wanted to see if that was going to happen with sense of place. And it, it didn't happen like it did with travel home because I think I knew like, don't go there, Caitlin, like that happened once before. And with sense of place, it was more of finding the treasures in the countries that I thought fit my aesthetic and my home that I wanted to bring back and give a new life to, cause I collect a lot of antiques. Um, and so that was a funny experience going from one book to the next and seeing what would happen. But I would say my aesthetic is very serene and comfortable. And I mix a lot of a lot of patterns together that are neutrals and blues. And I take a lot of inspiration from my surroundings being in nature and by the water. Um, and that is something that I truly love. So there's a lot of blue in my home, lots of greens. Uh, so yeah, that's, I like, I love to, I mix a lot of antiques into my, into our house. And I, I'm always constantly telling the kids, you know, they'll be bouncing on a chair. And I'm like, so just so you know, that chair is 100 years old. Let's make it last another 100 years for the next people that want to be the stewards of that piece. And they, they always give me this look like, what? What are you talking about? And I always... uh I'm telling them, you know, where the pieces are from and trying to educate them. So it's quite funny. And Amelia, my daughter, loves to go antiquing with me, which is really fun, especially since I started at a young age. She is constantly looking for treasures to bring into our, our home. And it's so fun to see her find something that she knows I'll love. And then we put it in the house and she just adores it. So... Yeah. What would you say to people who, um, you know, want to or have antique pieces or want to buy antique pieces or, you know, pieces with the sort of story and provenance and 
and how to mix those into their own homes. Because this is something that I hear people say a lot and they struggle with of, you know, like, how do I make these pieces, you know, from different styles work together? Or how do I make, make antiques work in with my home? What What's your take on that? And how do you do that in your own home and maybe for clients as well? What do you think mm -hmm. uh, is, you know, helps that process blend? Yeah, I, that's a good question. I mean, I think I just find for myself, I find pieces that I really love and I, I know will pair well together. Like the woods work well together of these tables. Um, or I know, you know, I actually get this question quite a bit from people when I, you know, I'll be antiquing and I'll be with friends and I pick up a piece and they're like, oh, well, where are you going to put that? And I'm like, I don't know, but I know I love it. And I'm going to find the spot for it. I might not know where it's going to go yet, but it'll either go in my home or I will find a spot for it in a client's home or, you know, it might sit in my office for five years. Um, and then I finally find the perfect project for it. So I don't necessarily know, you know, where a piece will go when I purchase it. And sometimes I purchase a piece thinking it will go into a client's house and <laughs> In my own home because I bring it home and then I see oh that actually looks quite good there but I think if you just start the process of collecting things and you don't necessarily have to you don't have to put it anywhere in your home but start to figure out it's trial and error you know I've done it myself where I've bought something and I go oh that does not look good and I still do it um and so I think it's a lot of trial and error and sometimes you make mistakes and that's fine, but just starting to train your eye in what you love um, and what you're attracted to will start to curate the rest of your home. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Before I go into the final questions that I ask everyone, I just want to ask you one more question because you've now created two books and, and I know for me, when I create my books, I learn so many lessons. Like I, you know, that experience, and you've kind of touched on this a little bit of stepping into other people's homes, people's homes who are really kind of like at the top of their game. You know, like these are people who are, you know, industry leaders, they're highly respected, you know, they've got a wealth of experience and knowledge. What are some of the lessons that you've learned from stepping into these homes? Because I think it was quite profound for me I mean, obviously, you know, I've been reflecting on it a lot and, in, you know, it's informed, um, you know, my subsequent books and it's informed my courses and, and so many of the things that I do. Um, but I'm just curious, you know, have you sort of come away from creating those books and, and sort of really learned some kind of valuable lessons? Yeah. I mean, So I think actually the lesson I learned, that's a really good question. So there was one lesson I learned creating sense of place. And I don't know if this was because of the pandemic and everybody was so, so when we traveled to shoot the book, everybody was so incredibly welcoming. And I also felt as though this isn't this isn't like an interiors 
you know, lesson that I learned, but I took away the fact that all of these designers were not in a rush for us to photograph their homes. They really wanted to sit and talk with us and they wanted us to learn about them and they were welcoming and we were, um, we, we were just welcomed with open arms, I should say, into each of their homes. And it taught me to kind of slow down in the way that I work sometimes and uh, finding the, the beauty within each space. So we weren't rushed from, you know, room to room and you need to be out in a few hours and that sort of thing. And this actually was the most in, in the UK is they, some people offered us to stay for days if we wanted to. And Penny Morrison insisted that we stay for a few days. I didn't realize how big her house was when she offered us to stay. But um, yeah, that was one of the lessons I brought back was to take every moment and cherish it. Is that, is that answering your question? Yeah. Probably yeah, not. No, I, I just, yeah, I, no, no, I do think, I mean, I think it's, I think you, I know for me, I feel like when I step into people's homes, I learn so much about a person by their home. Like, and even the way that they welcome you into their home, the way that, you know, like yes. some people are incredibly welcoming, incredibly hospitable. They want to spend like shadow you the whole time. Other people are like, okay, there you go. That's thing. We're out, you know, like, and it's just, it's so yeah. different. And I, I just find that fascinating because I'm just fascinated by people. I'm, I'm fascinated by, you know, how we live and how we live differently and the choices we make and the different personality types and how that's expressed in people's so homes. True. And, you know, I just, I, I'm like, as an observer, I mean, my background is journalism. So I'm just endless, endlessly curious about that and kind of getting those insights into people. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it for was, me, that's been really interesting. Yeah. It was truly amazing when you, when you, when we went into the homes, especially in Europe, it was a completely different experience where, they had everything ready, like everything was ready for you. And also their hospitality was to a whole new level that in the US is a little bit more forgotten and you're not as prominent. And they'd have like water ready for you. Would you like tea? They would check in on you. Do you need more tea? You know, um, all of these, like, when do you want lunch? Do you want, want lunch now? Do you want like, you know, all of these different things. And I was like, oh. And so when I came home, I was like, okay, I am like, when we have people over, it's going to be a whole new thing now. Lots of tea. <laughs> no, and just like the spreads that they created for lunch and the meals were so beautifully thought out and it was just so nice to feel welcomed in that way. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And I think there's also like people have an appreciation of you traveling, you know, you've got on a plane, you've traveled overseas, you know, you've come a long distance. So, so I do think that plays into it a little bit because I, yeah, I mean, I've kind of noticed a similar thing, like in terms of in Australia, 
it tends to be okay there's the keys <laughs> can we just do yeah. the portrait and like we're out of here we've got to go and do xyz that kind of thing versus you know yeah like i remember when oh, we went to one of the homes in germany and it was like this amazing lunch and there was yeah like we were sitting outside under the tree and you know all of these yeah having a, a glass of wine at the end and yeah. yeah all of these kind of things which is a very different experience the hour-long lunch where <laughs> you know I was like, oh, I need to do this more often. But yeah, it's, I, I'm actually going to ask you. I'm actually going to ask you one more question before we get onto the final ones because yeah. I was, you know, obviously occupational hazard. I was like, oh, you know, the book's beautifully styled, and um, and so you know, obviously when you step into people's homes, they, you know, these are the homes of interior designers. They are beautiful. They're considered. They're thoughtful. But there is when you're creating a book, you, you need to style the shots for the book. You need to style the shots for photography. And so is that, that do you do that or does your mom get involved in that? And I'm curious about what you've learned about that process as well. Yeah. Um, so mainly, <clears throat> mainly I do all the styling for the books in, but we, we try to keep it as, close to what we walked into but it just depends on what angle we were trying you know which angle the lighting that sort of those details um but I definitely talked to the homeowner the designer I should say not homeowner um beforehand and ask them how comfortable they are with us cleaning up a few things changing things some people not so much into it and then we you know and then we would know like don't touch anything and then some have fun move whatever you want um and so we would have fun with changing up a few things cleaning off i've never you know you vacuum you do all the all the things um so yeah i would mostly style and then our photographer stephanie russo who's amazing to work with and like a sister to me uh she has an ipad and so we would work off the ipad and we'd fine-tune tiny details and we would then work with my mom to see if she caught everything because we always called her like the eagle eye she'd always find some we'd we'd think we'd have the perfect shot and then she'd say huh that's overlapping on that. So if you could move that a few and, you know, you know, the last little look through and she'd perfect it. So we'd have, you know, six set of eyeballs on this, on each photo, but it was, it's really fun to do all together. And it's, it's fun going into all these homes and, you know, playing with all their accessories and learning how to style each different aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, that's it's, the beauty yeah. of it. Yeah. It's, I mean, it very much is, I think that's where it very much becomes about that kind of idea of visual storytelling. You know, you're, you're using their pieces to kind of tell their story in a way and, you know, bringing in plates or whatever it might be, or, you know, those different accessories to kind of paint the picture a little bit of what it's like if they had just stepped out of the room. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, mm -hmm. it's a beautiful skill in that kind of sense. All right. Yeah. Let's, 
get into the the final questions that um, I ask each guest. And the first one is, you've touched on already, which five words best describe you? Say creative, kind, calm, hardworking, and a treasure seeker. Does that count as two or... (laughs) that's fine we'll accept that (laughs) I'm constantly on the hunt for things do you edit your spaces a lot because you're adding things to your spaces do you kind of be conscious I'm constantly moving thing pieces around um I would say in this so we've lived in this house almost three years we moved in COVID um and I would say with this home it has a lot more space, so I don't have I don't have to I keep filling in because we didn't have as much when we moved into the space. So I'm constantly layering in artwork and different little pieces. But then half the time I, you know, need a piece for a client project and I'll take it from my own house. <laughs> my husband comes home and he's like, Where'd that piece go? I'm like, eh, sold it. Sorry. um what's the best lesson you've learned or one of the best lessons you've learned in life business whatever yeah my both my parents taught me to do what I love because then it doesn't feel like work so I definitely love what I do on a daily basis and I think that's why I actually do so many different things because I I don't like to be bored maybe that's the Gemini in me what's your proudest achievement Mm. probably my I know this sounds you probably get this a lot but my kids I love showing them that they should enjoy the the beauty of the everyday life and to follow their dreams no matter what they are. So who inspires you? So I think that it's not a, it's not a person that inspired me, but I truly love to travel. And I'm, I think that is why we created both travel home and sense of place is the people that we shot in the book inspired me throughout my career and bringing, being in those homes was like a dream come true, pinch me moment and to be able to talk to um, Penny Morrison in person and sit in her living room and have her dog on my lap during the interview was so incredible. And I still can't believe that it happened. And even going to Carlos Santos Garcia's house and being greeted by them at their gate and having to navigate the streets of Norfolk was quite crazy. And then even... Um, Jill Sharp Weeks is a huge inspiration to me in creating these beautiful homes across the country and the details that she puts into her spaces is truly incredible and so well thought out and the pieces that she creates from multiple different creative fields is something that I've always loved and cherished about her design work. So that's why we create these books is because then I get to meet them all. <laughs> I'm sure relate. you do that too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, like why, what why it, else would I do it? 
<laughs> yes. Um, what are you passionate about? Mm. Uh, my fit. You know, my family is so important to me. Um, I didn't talk too much about that um, when you asked me about my schedule and my day to day, but um, I, my whole entire day is, you know, crafted so that I can spend as much time with them as possible. And um, I always drop them off at school. I try to be there for pickup and and then I become a chauffeur for the afternoons <laughs> um and so I I love being a mom to them and um showing them the beauty of the world and I will say I creating a home uh for them to always want to come back to and to live in and to not worry about jumping on the sofa or jumping from the ottoman to the sofa or throwing a football in our house. I just love that they get to create these memories in such a beautiful space. Yeah. That's beautiful. And writing. What, yeah. Uh, what, what, what dream do you still want to fulfill? Oh gosh. Um, I, a textile line it would be my my answer. I've been gathering inspiration and textiles for years, and the piles are getting very big of vintage fabrics um, that have brought me inspiration. And I would love to conquer that dream. We'll see. Wow, I can see that. With everything that. happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are you reading? What's on your bedside table or your coffee table at the moment? My new favorite coffee table book is Create by Ali Heath. Stunning. I, and I love her books. Uh, she's just so incredibly talented and I take so much inspiration in her books like your books um and then on my nightstand I'll be honest I read a lot when I go on on vacation or holiday um and so they're kind of quick fast reads that I can read five pages and put down if a kid wants me to jump into the pool or go into the lake so I just finished Happy Place, um, and then I'm currently reading Pineapple Street and Lessons in Chemistry. Mm. I'm like going back and forth between those two. What are you listening to? Do you listen to podcasts, or um, or and if not, uh, you know, do you listen to music? What What do you like to listen to? Yeah. Uh, I love, I love podcasts. I listen to yours all the time. And then I also love business of home. I think it's, he interviews some great people. I love the piece that he did with studio Ashby. And then I, um, the interior collective is another 
podcast that I listen to and music. <laughs> um, my son is obsessed with Imagine Dragons. And so we constantly have that on in the car. <laughs> so that's, that's on rotation. It could be worse. Really Trust me. It. it could be worse. Some of the things that it one could of my daughters right? finds oh oh yeah anyway <laughs> oh i know there's there's some you know i actually <clears throat> he'll he'll tell me a new song that is he listened to in a carpool to soccer or something and i put it on and i go yeah let's go back to imagine dragons and the worst <laughs> part is that he's had this obsession for years and then last fall they were here in the bay area and I'm not a I'm not a concert goer, and I didn't even know that they were had were coming had come. And then I, uh, I was at tennis with a few girlfriends, and they were talking about how they'd just gone with their sons, and I couldn't believe that I didn't know about it. I was like, he would have gone crazy, and I missed it. <laughs> but maybe it's for the best. Yeah. He, he can, I'm sure there'll be other opportunities. <laughs> I know. I made the mistake of telling him and then he made me look up the schedule of where they were going. And then they're in Paris this summer. And he's like, we, <clears throat> we should go to Paris. Mom. And I was like, I wish. Actually, sign me up for that trip because I <laughs> might take you. So. And finally, what piece of advice would you give to your younger self? Mm. make a career out of what you love which I've I've done um that, that's probably my biggest one but also don't compare yourself to anyone else um I don't do it often but sometimes you know with social media it happens and you see you see people's lives, but you know, that's a good one. And then I think the thing that I've always said to myself, even now is the simplest gestures can make somebody's day, like opening up a door, you know, the littlest gesture can make somebody's day. And I always think about that. Yeah, that's lovely. That's so nice. And do you, I'm just curious, do you, because I can see that, you know, you are a very calm sort of person. Is that just, do you think that's just innate or do you have like tools or things that you kind of say to yourself to kind of just ground yourself so that you are calm and patient? I honestly, speaking I from think somebody who's not, not. <laughs> <Somebody> not patient. <laughs> Any tips? <laughs> um, I do think it's innate, but I also think that I have created a balance for myself when, when things go, whenever something, you know, whenever something happens, I tend to, or I get stressed out. I tend to take a pause from what I'm doing and I go take my dog for a walk or I go out in nature or I take a bike ride or some do something that isn't what's about what's stressing me out and then I think because I calm myself down then I'm able to regroup and think about how to create a solution 
I mean, I'm not always calm because, you know, sometimes my kids go crazy, but you know, <laughs> that's just life. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, you know, I mean, I've definitely improved. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely improved over the years. I do think it's something that comes with age and it's, you know, your children can push you to the limits, but I think also it gives you the gift of patience because you just have to be, it just like that. It's like that muscle yeah. you have to exercise. Like you're just doing it all over and over and over again. So I think that you just learn that you, you have to be patient. Otherwise you will go crazy. So anyway, that's my, my exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think that happens. Yeah. With age, I guess I've always been kind of a calm, calm person. So I guess it's just the way I am. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a gift. Uh, well, thank you so much. I'm so happy that we finally were able to have this conversation and learning all the things about you and your beautiful books and your process and all that you create in the world. So thank you so much, Caitlin. I'm really excited about this. And um, can you just, just want to share again about when your book is out and uh, the names of your books as well? Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me and welcoming me. I feel so honored to be a part of the, this series and travel home and, um, sense of place will be sense of place will be out September 19th. Um, so a month, ah, here comes the crunch time, everybody. <laughs> it's like planning a wedding. I swear. <laughs> And what about um, how can people connect with you and, and see more about your work? Yeah, my website is uh, CaitlinFleming.com and um, you can connect with me and ask me any questions uh, via Instagram if that's easier and it's at Caitlin Fleming. Great. And we'll of feel course, free to all those... send any questions my way. Great. And we'll put all those links in the show notes as well. So thank you again. And um, yeah, really excited to, to share this with everyone. Thank you. Thank you. All of the links and info for this episode are at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so that you can get a direct download of the latest episode. And I really appreciate when you take a minute to rate and review, as well as share the love with someone you know who might benefit from this episode or on social media. If you'd like to access a range of free resources, come visit my website, nataliewalton.com. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast. And I would also like to acknowledge the people of the Bundjalung Nation where it was recorded and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. I look forward to connecting again soon. I'm Natalie Walton, and you've been listening to Imprint. <laughs>